you are cordially invited to the manor in the woods, where an evening of discussion is being held by the O'Brien siblings. Catherine, the encyclopedia, Carolyn, the bookworm, Madeline, the wild card, and Mackenzie, the eclectic. Join them in the study where there will be talk of murder, robbery, deception, and conveniently cloaked figures. So get cozy, pour yourself a cuppa, and join us for mostly murder. But sometimes not. Hi, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Mostly Murder, but sometimes not. I'm hosting today's episode. Uh, my siblings are with me, and here they will introduce themselves. Hello, I am Katie. Hello, I am Maddie. Hello, and I am Mac. Yay. Okay. I don't Who know are you, kind about. host? Oh, you I'm mystery Carrie. person? <laughs> Literally. I'm Carrie. Yeah, that goes along with the theme where a lot of the people in this episode didn't really get called by name a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Except the one um, guy. Okay, so today we watched the uh, show Miami Vice. Season 5, episode 14, The Lost Madonna. Um, and here is the plot, summarized by me. Probably not well, but whatevs. So it opens on a port where a drug deal is supposed to go down, but after a small shootout where the suspect is killed, instead of drugs, Crockett and Tubbs find paintings? An art detective named Whitehouse comes to Miami and informs them that the paintings are the two small side pieces to a triptych called the Madonna of the Spirits, and that the main artwork must still be in the possession of the Schianti crime family. Tubbs poses as an art professor and ingratiates himself with Julia Schianti, who loves art. Joey Schianti is under a lot of pressure from his father to offload the Madonna, but without the two side pieces, secretly in the police's possession, the artwork is not worth the $17 million it normally would be. After a news report detailing the police's sting and repossession of the two other paintings, the original buyer backs out and Tubbs connects Joey with White House, posing as another buyer, trading heroin for the Madonna. White House double-crosses the police and steals the Madonna for himself, and then tries to escape via the port of Miami. Uh, he kills Joey in the process. Tubbs and Crockett catch him and destroy the Madonna accidentally. Oh no! But wait, actually, Julia had manufactured a fake and was keeping the original for herself. Sunny figures it out because of cleverness, and she's arrested without being killed. Ta-da. There you go. Huh. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Pretty much. That's like the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. If you want a more detailed summary, uh, there is a very nice one written on <laughs> MiamiVice.Fandom.com, which is actually a good source for a lot of stuff. It was interesting. Okay, so um, this was my first Miami Vice episode that I've ever seen ever, I think. I'm pretty sure. Anybody else? Same. Same. I'm basically, yes. I've, I think I've seen bits and pieces flipping through channels because I would like come across it and be like, oh my God, Miami Vice. I've never watched this. And then I'd watch two minutes and I'd be like, I don't get what they're doing and there's a lot of drugs and I don't care. And then I would keep going. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's, 
existed like in the world that we know, but it's not like something I've ever sat down and watched. Yeah. I was certain that at a point Archer was basing a season off of it, but it turns out it was just because it involved cocaine and it it had nothing aesthetically <laughs> to do with Miami Vice, except for the first episode, which took place in Miami. I totally yeah. thought dope was marijuana and not heroin. It should Same. have been, I feel like. I is that what they called the is that what they call marijuana? I thought heroin was smack. In the 80s. Heroin is smack. It can also be known as horse. Yeah. Of course. But what? I think actually I I mentioned this to Carrie yesterday. I'm pretty sure that everything I know about Miami Vice comes from jokes about Miami Vice from like sitcoms I watched. Yeah. And not the actual Miami Vice. Like in the Friends episode where they go back to one of the Thanksgivings and you see Chandler and hmm. Ross with their flock of seagulls haircut and they have the jackets with the, the t-shirts and the yeah. Like yeah. that kind of stuff is what I knew about Miami Vice. I knew nothing about the actual show. Now that yeah. I, did they the- ever say Tubbs's name? They mentioned him once in the beginning, referring to him as Ricardo Tubbs. Okay, because I did not know who he was, his name. I had to look it up online. <laughs> yeah. I when they introduced themselves, name. sorry, when they introduced themselves to Whitehead is when I, they, is the only time I think they said anyone's name. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> yo, Mac, no, go ahead. Did anybody kind of clock Whitehead? Here's, Immediately. Here's what I. Michael Chiklis? Yeah, here's what I'm annoyed by. <laughs> it was so amazing. I'm annoyed <laughs> at this show, and most shows in general, when they try to tie together all the problems into one big thing. Because, I don't know, in a lot of action movies, if somebody's interfering in somebody's personal life, like, say, Iron Man 3, when that one dude is kind of, you know, trying to reconnect with Pepper Potts... And also, Iron Man is trying to deal with these weird melty people that are showing up. You know everything's kind of connected. I hate when they try to connect the personal strife with the, uh, like, action strife. And so, when I saw that this guy was kind of getting on the detective's nerves, I was like, if this dude winds up being also part of the bad guys, I'm gonna flip some shit. Because I hate it when they're like, Oh, well, that's easy. He can solve his personal issues by fighting. What would that um, flipping your shit look like? Just curious, because assuming you did it, because that's exactly what happened. Well, this is an audio medium, so I guess (laughs) the best way to describe it would be... (laughs) Oh, I hate it. Ah, Stop that. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, I know. Did you see everything flying around the room? So Mac, bad. I like your haircut. I punched that cougar too. <laughs> um, I I just noticed that. <laughs> Wait, did you really get a haircut, Mac? Look yes. at that. I can't really tell you. Finally, yeah, look. Uh, I can't see. Um, I have. I'm certain everybody at home is very interested in my haircut. <laughs> But still, like the Michael Chiklis thing, I'm I'm just a, also yes, he is a balding man with an earring and a ponytail, so that's kind of what you could clock. Him Incredible, with. It was amazing. Incredible. As, 
Like I saw in the thing that he in like the um the credits that he was in this, and then immediately afterward is when you see him on the screen, and I was like, "What is happening?" I love all of it. <laughs> the earring is perfection. It was so good. I think the reason I didn't immediately go, I think he's not a bad guy, is because the first five minutes he was on screen, I just kept being freaking out about how he looked. <laughs> <laughs> like it truly, I just kept it's like Hannibal's like, ponytail. It's, it's just, I how am I supposed okay. to take you seriously, sir? Mac, truly, I think that I kept thinking he was a bad guy because he just looked like Hannibal, <laughs> and he was acting like Hannibal, helping out the cops in his creepy way, trying to run to Europe in his creepy way, trying to run away, trying to be all cultured. I was like, this is Hannibal. You half expected his other living. suitcase to break open. It's just viscera. <laughs> Ugh. Just some but so sweet funny. meats. Can I actually, Carrie? Did you read this on the Wikipedia about the producer? Um, I don't know, but I would like to introduce a point of order between the four of us. Okay. I think that Katie should not be allowed to research these episodes unless she's hosting them. I because. Agree. Thank you. Okay, so... I do not. All right, well, here, I'll explain what really tipped me over. So, we're sitting down. Apparently, Miami Vice was one of Dad's favorite shows. Like, he watched it all the time, which was very cool. Um, So, we... I'm going to see if it works, but we, like, had a little mini conversation with Mom and Dad this morning, and I recorded it on my phone. And so, listeners, if you want to hear that, if it works, um, it will be at the end of the episode. Maybe after the music. I don't know. You'll have to listen and see. Woo! Cool. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm we're sitting there and we're talking about it. And then Katie starts telling mom and dad all of the things that I had researched. And I was like, I'm supposed to be telling you this stuff. You're not <laughs> supposed to be sitting there knowing the things already. Like, it's... You spoiled a surprise. Like some kind of thing-knower. I wasn't going to tell you guys. I was going to let Carrie tell you guys. But... Yeah, but I'm supposed to be telling you, Katie. You're not supposed to know anything. You're... Well, unless I had watched it before. Right, exactly. Like, if you came into this with all that knowledge, cool, whatever. But I know that you looked it up. And it was, like, just, like, reading off the Wikipedia like I'm supposed to. I watched... (laughs) the show blind but then right. after there were certain things i really wanted to know and so i only read the wikipedia i didn't click anything else but pertaining to what we were just talking about this one fact did you read about the producer michael I don't mann think so. i mean like i've read a few things about him i don't know what specific <laughs> thing you're talking about so michael mann directed mindhunter the 1986 movie with Hannibal. That I did not know. So that's why I thought it was interesting to bring up that he has been connected with the Hannibal Lecter universe. And this episode had very Hannibal Lecter vibes in terms of a creepy ass dude helping out the police and then turning little, on them. With an incredible ponytail. With 
an incredible ponytail. (laughs) Little did anyone know that when Michael Mann was but a child, he was in an alleyway and his parents were shot by a balding man with a ponytail. (laughs) Oh no! Yeah. He now stalks the hallways of Hollywood writers' rooms of yours. This is his revenge. He's also the guy who directed Heat, which I forgot about. Did that have a guy with a balding head and a ponytail? I don't know. I've never seen it. Apparently it's really good. Then that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're moving on. Okay. Michael Chiklis was amazing. Very cool. He was good. His outfits. Yeah, he was good. I mean, Uh, he was good acting wise. Like there was. Yeah. Like it was so comparatively (laughs) his like his speech patterns were really fun. Like he kept saying people were amateurs and I was like, come on, (laughs) you know, that's not how people pronounce it. How he it's kinda pronounces like, it. I had a professor in college who pronounced, who said Neanderthal, and I know that mm. that's correct, but I hate it so much. Yeah, it's not fun. Um. Anyway, we okay. So normally Miami Vice is obviously like about the vice crimes that happen throughout a city, which are like drugs and human trafficking and sex work, blah blah blah, but. Uh, we looked up like the top episodes. I think it was Katie, like the top, like the the top. It was Miami like top Vice ten episodes. episodes of Miami Vice, and we eliminated all the ones that had to do with overarching storylines. Like, yeah, exactly. We um, also looked through the top bottom, and I'm gonna say right here and now. <laughs> the what? The top, the top bottom? The bottom ten. The, the bottom switches? ten. The top. Bottoms. We looked through the bottom ten, and I have to say. <laughs> You guys dodged a bullet because the one where they had to solve alien abductions was on our list. What? Yeah, I. Yeah. Hey, no, Carrie, Carrie, I looked ahead. I don't care about spoiling this one. It was all a dream. The episode was all a dream. It's one of (laughs) those. The episode was a dream? Yes. Ridiculous. Oh, speaking of, one of these actors looked really familiar and he was on Saint Elsewhere. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Which ended in a. Spoilers for Saint Elsewhere, I guess. Well, it wasn't a dream, but it was a vision that an autistic happen. kid had when he shook up a snow globe that had a St. Elsewhere hospital in it. Uh, that's not that's not how it works, but I mean, good try, guys. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you mean, Mac, yeah, this you show envision entire shows in the a whole second? show was in his head, apparently. I remember dad telling me about that and it made every obviously it was the 80s. So everyone still only had about. Like thirty channels tops, so a lot of people watched it, and it infuriated everyone. Yeah, and people really liked Miami Vice. Yeah, too. let's get back to when Dad told me it was his favorite I, show. People are gonna like, be really pissed off when they what? when they listen to the last episode of our podcast. Ugh, <laughs> this one. We don't actually exist. It was we were all, all a dream you had when you fell asleep at work. Well, I was thinking this would be more the like too. the um the episode that would birth a schism that would undo us as a family. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, mom nice. said she used to watch this with dad, but she doesn't really remember much other than she doesn't like <laughs> Don Johnson because he thinks too much of himself. Yes, mom yeah. doesn't like it when people think they're cool. She likes humble people. Hey, hey she mom. Doesn't like lizard hey, mom. people either. Nice. No. no. Mom, I'm on your side on that one. Oh, I am not. <laughs> For I like this Don Johnson. Specific instance. Wait, Who's hold Don up. Who's Don Johnson? Is Don he Johnson plays Crockett. the f- Crockett. 
Oh, um, yeah. With the yeah. feathered hair. I hate him. Yeah. He's I can see in the 80s he probably was insufferable, but like I he was just really effortlessly cool and charming and I hated it, but I also loved it. Well, yeah. I feel like now we can look at it with like some amusement because I don't know. Because we've seen he's him a product of his time period. Time. Yeah. I mean, we have to acknowledge he was in Knives Out and was great in that. Wait, yeah. what? There's like what? a Don John. Yes. Yeah. He was um <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Oh, that guy. No. yeah. The one who thought he was like really cool, but like yes. handing plates to people as he was talking to them like a friend. Yeah. Like, Ugh. he actually, oh, did you guys watch this on NBC.com? Yep. No. Oh. I had a, there was a commercial for the new Keenan sitcom, and Don Johnson is on that. Oh my what? God. So I'm watching him in the Miami Vice era, and then it cuts to a commercial of him in the sitcom. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I also need to point out that it has happened. I saw a commercial for a medication that was geared specifically towards me. And oh no. I'm like, oh my God, am oh I no. old now? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like, because I, I get ads for MS medication regularly. No, this was about Hulu, migraines and, and it had like backpacking and food trucks and gay <laughs> shit. And I'm like, oh no. Uh. <laughs> They know you. I know. Like, then what the fuck you? does Hyundai think they're going to get from me? I mean, no, I it was, yeah, migraine medication. I'm like, oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, no, man. I think I wouldn't, like Maddie was saying, like looking at this through like a different lens where you're just like having fun with it. Like I would, I would appreciate the Sunny Crockett of it all, but I wouldn't be able to take him seriously. Like, Taking him seriously would ruin it. Oh, no. So I would just want to have fun. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of having fun, what's that cat party going on in the beginning? I don't know! (laughs) Guys? Guys. (laughs) The cats ruined everything! Kitty! I know! I was like, what is with these cats? It kept showing these cats. And then, like, a lot of meowing just in the background. Cats aren't even on the screen, and there's just meowing going on. <laughs> Honestly, if those cats weren't there, that guy would have lived. Yeah. Like, yeah. he would have, like, been handcuffed and taken away and arrested instead of shot by the police. Guys, by the way. what you didn't know was yeah. that they were listed under the credits as Miss Fluffypaw's Skianti. Oh, oh. I, wait, that's not the real. The plot thickens. No, they weren't. No, it, Katie, no. no, it wasn't. I was Maybe. making a goof, Katie. No, I was, I, I almost believe <laughs> it's you a goof. A what, what tapestry did I just unknowingly Look, paint for Mac, you? The 80s were full of drugs. The writers were on drugs. The actors were on drugs. The grips were on drugs. Everyone was Allegedly. on drugs. Allegedly. The cats Allegedly, are on drugs. Everyone was on drugs. Of course, the they cats were probably were the cats were probably eating like a coke filled fish. They were the coolest <laughs> cats. So I was saying that <laughs> whoever was writing the credits for the show might have thought it would be funny to put in the Ladies cat as part of the Skianti family. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna reel it quickly. I want you to all at home close your eyes. No, really. What about us? Transport you guys can too. I guess I'm transport doing it. yourself okay. back to the 1980s. Yep, you're in Miami. I was- uh, the born. smell of the smell of sea air, tacky environments. Yep. Take out a switchblade, cut there's open B. your Arthur. chair. There's Coke. Oh, B. Arthur. Oh my God, there's Coke in my chair drugs. right now. Yes. <laughs> my Coke chair. Why did you make me cut it open? <laughs> <laughs> <A> special chair. <laughs> Ugh. 
Okay, so there, we were talking about the 80s. There were a lot of 80s things happening in this, oh, and I really enjoyed it. My. Like, ah. Can we talk the... about the credits? Yes. Yes, the opening credits. Please flamingos, do. The flamingos. Titties. Cars. <gasps> more cars. Birds. Boats. Ass. Boats. Birds. Madeline Bikini Claire Bates. O'Brien. I what? literally wrote <laughs> flamingos, boobs, race cars, boats. Edward James almost. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I can't believe this. Oh, man. So good. Birds, boats, and boobs. What more it, could you ask it really, for? It really, honestly takes you to a place. Yes. <laughs> and that place is Miami in the 80s. Uh, it was beautiful. Miami in Incredible. the 1980s, also known as where taste went to die. Hey, this was, this was very cool. All right. Excuse so- you. But uh, Ricardo Tubbs' fake professor like house looked like it was made out of all the rejected props from the original Star Trek. No, <sighs> Mac. But his Mac, outfits, though. Mac. This was cool. Like, that. the locations, the sets, were some of Dad's favorite things. He said multiple times in our conversations that he loved the avant, was it avant-garde? He said avant-garde, but he meant Art but Deco. He did. Whoa. He meant Art Deco. Yeah. Dad said are avant-garde. Are you, yeah. are you holding our father up as a bastion of taste? <laughs> I'm sure he thought so. I think what's oh, curious man. pointing out is that Dad said that he watched this, obviously, at the time. He probably hasn't watched it since. So what sticks in his mind are the cars, the clothes, and the set, like the houses. He was specifically mentioning the giant mansions that all the set pieces were in. So I think that's indicative of the show. It wasn't really about the characters as much as it was about everything else. There's a... There's a quote from one of the show's directors saying that, quote, the show is written for an MTV audience, which is more interested in images, emotions, and energy than plot and character and words, Ooh. unquote. Yeah, that is a interesting thing to bring in. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Katie's the one who said it to our mother and father. <laughs> this I would be mad. Didn't say it now. <laughs> thank you. Whatever. But they're actually, the first couple of seasons were like really, really well received. They were nominated for like 15 Emmys. I think they got four, but they were nominated for that. Yeah. Uh, The first few episodes contained elements of a standard police procedural, but they were soon abandoned for a more distinctive style. And it was, it's so funny because the, um, I think, yeah, the executive producer banned earth tones from being used by the production team. Like, they were not allowed to use red or brown or whatever Sand else. Sand or something? Yeah, like beige. Like, not allowed to use that. So, like, they, that's why you see so... No, that's why you see so many, uh, like, pastels. Colors. And, yeah, like, the, if you, like, the Tubbs' house, like, the oh, doors man. were, like, lilac- like yeah. there were, there was like a, like a coral looking chair. Like there, it's. I did make was, that note that I loved the house. Like yes. I would never live there. It was extremely tacky to me, but for the time, <laughs> the time I'm sure it would have been cool. Oh my gosh! So last night, 
Katie and I watched Barbara Star go to Vista Del Mar, which <laughs> is amazing, and we highly recommend it. But there's like a hotel room that Katie's like, I love this. I want to live here. Maybe not all the time. And I was like, yes, maybe like a cottage. But it has like the pastels. Like it has like the turquoise and it has the pale blue and the beds were very tacky. They were very they tacky. They had like shells as the headboard, Incredible. which was like cool. But it was a kind of an 80s. Imagery. It was definitely That's like Florida. Florida yeah. sometimes feels like stuck in the 80s for me, even though I know they're not. I think it's because of Miami Vice and Golden Girls. Like Golden Girls I took place in the 80s. That. You know? Yeah. 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 And I know we've been to Florida, and it it's not like well, we might be this year. <laughs> Who knows? The Who yeah no the know? um so this show like was influenced by culture via the MTV audience aspect, but it also influenced a lot of culture in and of itself. Like the um the cars, one of the detectives has like a Ferrari. And they, the Ferrari people sold a lot of that car. And eventually, like, they donated a couple different models so that the, because the, um, the car that they used on set was actually, like, a kit car. Like, it was on a Corvette chassis um, and not the real Ferrari. Oh. So the Ferrari was like, can you not use that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> because everyone knows it's not real. So they, so they got donated, a Ferrari and put another they thing They donated in it? two. Two oh. different like new uh models that were coming out. Um hold on, I have it here somewhere. Uh the Testarossa. So it was the Ooh. Daytona that they were using originally, like the, just the um they had like a fiberglass or like outside uh oh yeah ferrari shaped body panels and then the ferrari filed suit demanding that they cease and desist producing any replicas and infringing upon the ferrari name so they uh they blew up quote unquote the daytona in the season three premiere um and then the ferrari donated two brand new 1986 testarossas did they actually blow it up no, I quote that. I, I did quotes. Yeah, but I says, feel like that'd be something that would happen in a show, you know, blowing up a car. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure multiple cars were blown up on the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Neither the kit car nor its backup were actually destroyed as the production company simply blew up an empty body shell, both for cost and safety reasons. <laughs> oh, okay. excuse me. Let's get back the, to the episode. Well, the, no, I was just going to say the show actually... Um, cost a lot to make like it was like 30 percent more per episode than other shows at the time because like the vice as if you're going undercover as like a drug dealer you need to like be flashy and cool <laughs> I, I bet guess. it all went to the outfits on this episode because i was a yeah. big fan this is what we need they to talk were about a significant we need to talk about influence on men's fashion the they popularized, if not invented, the t-shirt under Armani jacket style, and popularized Italian men's fashion in the United States. It was very cool. Italian men's fashion. My yeah. first question when Dad told me that it was one of his favorite shows was, "Did people actually dress like this in real life in public?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, especially in Florida." Yes. <laughs> So, like, in maybe suburban Michigan, you might get a sense of it. But 
he was like, yeah, in real life, people would be walking around with this, with the long, crazy ties. With the loafers. We obviously talked about Michael Chiklis's earring. We should oh also God. talk about Tubbs's human person necklace. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It looked like a little, like, guy, a guy doing, like, a... It's like a stick like a guy, guy like, going, yeah. like, jumpy jacks. Yeah, jumpy And jacks. even, like, I noticed it, and then it cut to the woman's... I don't even remember her name, because... Julia. Julia. Julia's earrings. There were those big, giant silver things. Yes. Yeah. I was like, confused. This show had great fashion. <laughs> This show has everything. You briefly Flamingos, mentioned titties, earrings, necklaces, cars, and gross misrepresentation of Italian culture. Oh god! Oh, of course. What was with the accents? They're from Florida. Why do they sound like they're from New York? I don't know. Actually, Tubbs apparently is from New York. Yes. Well, not Tubbs. Their... I'm talking about the mafia. The Schiantis. The Schiantis. The second I saw that they were all gathered together to eat a spaghetti dinner while talking about their mob <laughs> crimes, I was like, okay, I'm not Italian, but come on, guys. That was really funny. I laughed when he was, like, grabbing his chin. I was picturing yeah. him going, but daddy, my spaghetti. <laughs> I feel like the 80s were were full of a lot of these kind of stereotypes and... I have something to say, but I read it on Wikipedia, so I don't really want to say it. <laughs> Tell me, what did you read? This well, is your saying... last. This is your last episode that we will let this pass. <laughs> One of yeah. the reasons they put it in Miami was because of the amount of drugs and stuff that were happening, which happened a lot with. They were like, it was such a like meeting place for refugees from South America. For people from Cuban Americans who were living there both with and without papers, a lot of people couldn't find legit jobs, which is why they went into the drug business. Obviously, it's a huge port for drugs and guns being brought in from South America. Apparently, a couple episodes did address the U.S.'s support of the dictatorships and guerrilla warfare that directly led to people trying to flee the countries that the U.S. was supporting the bad people in. Like, Interesting. Yeah, so the, that's one of the reasons it's in Miami, because they wanted to do, I think it was pitched as a movie first, about drugs. Basically, they wanted to make something about drugs and vice, because everyone's interested in drugs and sex, mm-hmm. which they decided to put it in Miami. But they brought in the fact that there were definitely mafia involvement because of the amount of money, because the mafia likes money and yes. drugs. Power. And if so many drugs were coming into the U.S. via these ports in Florida, Miami just became like a place for people to go, including yeah. Italian mob families. But And their t-shirts under Armani. <laughs> t-shirts under Armani. Actually, he had like a, Joey had like a regular suit. Like he, the um the drug guy who was mad at them for using the pier for something else called him like GQ. Because he was so yeah, they stylish. had. I thought it was interesting that the Italians had like the full on suits and ties, mm-hmm. and everyone else had the whole t shirts and jackets. I was surprised to find out just from the weight that they put on the name that the Schianti family was only involved in this episode. Really? Well, I guess it makes sense because they do kill one of them in it. Yeah, they arrest the other. Can I say something about Joey Schianti? First of all, yeah, again, Bobby. only appeared in uh, this episode. Two, 
Um, they spent half of this episode kind of, you know, following Joey Schianti's process in the criminal world, uh, giving him a humanizing fear of his father, having him tell stories about his youth. Uh, and, yeah. and then at the end, uh, Michael Chiklis, uh, in his female form, Michael Chick, oh my God. shoots no. him. That's 12 joke bucks. <laughs> shoots him dead. Oh, it's been a long time since we made you spend a joke buck, Mac. <laughs> yeah. That shoots that was him that was dead, dead in, in oh. an isolated warehouse. And Joey just kind of like saddeningly reaches into his jacket, looks down at his hand and says, that's real blood in a heartbreaking line and then falls dead. But then in, in stereotypical Miami Vice fashion, a really hip, hopping, beady song just comes on that's way too cheery for what we just saw. The, yeah, it was... I would have felt bad for Joey, especially since his dad barbecued his dog. Yeah, I know. Not cool. Not cool. I would have felt a lot worse for him if he didn't treat Julia so poorly. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, if you were my sister, I'd hit you with a baseball bat. Now, yeah. here's the thing. If he had presented that point a lot differently, I would have been like, oh, what an erudite uh, bad guy. Because Julia was feeling somewhat uh, moralistic about their usage of this piece of art. And then he could point that out. The only reason you know what you know is because of drug money. We should probably move off of clothes, but before we do, can we talk about the clothes at the art party? Um, And the I art party in general. <laughs> I especially want to point out um, Tubbs's professor costume and the multiple polka dot items that yes. he would wear Double each time. Double-breasted white suit was amazing. Like, there was the first time we see him, and then at the art party, he's wearing, like, a polka dot shirt and mm-hmm. a polka dot tie, but they are different types of polka dots. Like, well, you why? And that necklace. Same. And it yeah. had a chain something pattern on the clothes, in addition to the real chain he was wearing. Like, I do wonder if real art history professors would wear something like that. Like, that seems, like, too high fashion for intellectual well i feel like it fits the character because he was an art professor but he's also like i want to smuggle art and (laughs) make money yeah katie i assume you've also had art history professors i have did did yours ever dress like that because mine didn't honestly she did wear some very beautiful fun things like my professor was like i only took a couple intro courses so it was larger lecture halls but she definitely would wear bright color shirts and blouses, bright color scarves, lots of jewelry. Like, so I could see her wearing clothes similar to that in the 80s in Miami. Mine was always just sort of more frumpy suits and coats. I actually, mine was at the community college and I somehow impressed him when he was like, I don't know what the German for pancakes is. And I just belted out, uh, Pankuchen. And I was too embarrassed to tell him I knew that because <laughs> of Speed Racer, the movie. Yes! <laughs> Pancooken our love. love. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, my art history knowledge all comes from the principal of our high school, who was a nun. So not she a lot of flashy teacher, outfits though. there. No, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember the most about art history from her. Yeah. Like, she did a very good job teaching about 
art, but she wasn't real flashy. Our lecture hall was probably about 100 people. And the only time my professor was ever impressed with me was when she asked the lecture hall, how many of you have heard of the band Vampire Weekend? And only two of us held up our hands and it was me and the guy next to me. And we didn't know each other. And she was like, oh, are you guys friends? And we were like, no. Now we are. <laughs> but literally, Patty, we became friends. We became, you know how you always had those class friends? Like you never hung out with outside of class, but you yeah. sat by and yeah. talked before yeah. and after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, were both me cute. we were both a little bit older. We were in our, I think I was a junior, maybe maybe senior that year of college. And so we were both like with all the 101 children. And so. Man, do you remember when I, an actual child, went to one of your college classes and it was on speeches and your professor made me stand up and give a speech and then he made fun of me? Oh my god! What? Yes! (gasps) I forgot about that. That's so mean! I forget what question he asked, but I stood up and I was like, um, uh, and then at the end, he was like, yeah, that was fine, but, uh, mm, uh... (laughs) (laughs) he was a very very excitable nice person he was just can i also say maddie that whole semester he was like turned up to 11 because he was from nigeria but he had just gotten his citizenship that year and he was voting for the first time and he was so excited to vote he talked about it all the way up until the election in november so basically the whole semester and he actually it was nice he, I made him cry one time because Aww. our we did four speeches throughout the class and the th- last one had to be a ceremonial speech. So like a eulogy or a graduation or something like that. So I gave a eulogy for Jim Henson and I literally made like four people cry and it was amazing. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, Including I, him. I received that same assignment, but <gasps> he didn't tell me that I was supposed to do ones for somebody real. So I did one of an, uh, my fictional evil twin. Oh, no. But I would slowly make it apparent through the speech that I was the evil twin and I just switched places. Oh, my God. Oh, that's wow. kind of cool. What is your grade? Eh, like B plus. Okay. okay. I think I got a... It would have been better, but, you know, real person. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. Maddie, yeah. I, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. That's so I didn't really, funny. like... It wasn't in a mean way. Yeah, he, he genuinely, that's he was a thing. Funny. He wasn't afraid to tell you what you did wrong because he genuinely wanted to help you. Yeah. Well, that's But nice. I think I was like 16. But yeah, you were 16 in a college classroom. I would have been terrified. As, I was terrified <laughs> and I was their age. Yeah. I really did have flashbacks, though, to the humanities class. When Michael Chiklis was doing their art lesson, <laughs> and he had like the slide projector, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, wow, yeah, this is very humanities right now." I can. S- it was beautiful. That was the scene where Sonny Crockett lost me because I knew there was as soon as I knew art was involved in this. At some point, one of the cops was going to be like. Phew. Well, I don't really need to know about all this hoity-toity, namby-pamby art nonsense. And I somehow fucking knew Sonny was going to be the one to bring it to the table. (laughs) Yeah, I think that we didn't see as much of Sonny that we would in a normal episode because this was about, like, art and not, you know, like, the darker drug stuff. Um, 
I think we get, I ha- obviously I haven't seen any other episodes I can't compare, but we got a good amount of tubs in this. It was interesting. I think, because I isn't the point they generally go undercover in almost every episode? And I yeah. guess, I think, I do think Crockett went undercover more sometimes because he had like a certain character apparently. Do you remember we were trying to pick an episode and one of the better episodes that we didn't pick was one where he got hit in the head and then he believed he was actually his undercover character. So he was like yes. actually a drug dealer for like three episodes. I remember that. Like, I feel like stuff like that happened a lot because I do think Don Johnson was definitely the breakout star of this. Like, yeah. the other guy has not done a whole lot since um, that I'm aware of. And I think he, I don't know. Like, He's a beautiful when I man. hear about, yeah, oh yeah. When I yes. hear about Miami Vice, though, before I watched it, I just thought about Don Johnson in my brain. Yeah. He is very uh, symmetrical. <laughs> but Mac, I agree with you in that art scene. I actually was proud of the show. I thought when he was making fun of the painting that was basically like white, that it was going to turn out that there was an accidental missing slide. Right? <laughs> and he was going to be like, told you art is stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't do that because... I read somewhere, this might have been a Tumblr post, because a lot of people say they don't like modern art, and they don't like pop art, and they don't like that kind of stuff. And someone pointed out that modern art is treated, especially in the art and museum community, as like, you have to know about it, and they don't ever tell you about it. So when you think about an art museum, most modern art wings are just blank white walls, no explanation, nothing to connect you to the art or the artist. Whereas a lot of art of the older periods, anything basically like impressionist before the walls are colored walls. The art has like bigger panels. They tell you more about the history and the context of the art it was created in. So you have more of a connection to the art and the artist, but they don't do that with modern art. And they were like, a lot of people should do that now. Because that's what art is supposed to be about. And I was getting the vibes that, like, I feel like the 70s and 80s were when that started. Of just stark whiteness with a single piece of art. Like, when we were looking at the art party mm-hmm. and all the sculptures and stuff, I was like, this artist guy <laughs> doesn't know it. Like, I don't know. It was... I wrote down his quote. Uh, Sigmar Motherland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, he said, well, the, there's a lady who was like, what does this sculpture mean? And he says, my work is beyond syntax. <laughs> it was exactly. amazing. And, and she said, like, thank you. Yeah, yes! she was like, I know. <laughs> I get it. Uh, like, that's so what beautiful. I feel like when I was talking about the art world of the 80s. It was just like about money and nonsense. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Hey, like the 80s I itself. <laughs> I uh, so everyone here Reagan. clocked that Michael Chiklis was not really up to snuff. I thought not he was working with the dude. mob. I didn't really clock that he was just about to retire and wanted to steal the paintings and move to Paris or whatever. I wanted him to be up to snuff because I want there to just be people that annoy cops and shows that aren't bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's definitely coded as being gay because of his clothes and earring and accent and knowing knowledge about art. of art the fact <laughs> that he knows about art York. 
And <laughs> there was that one scene where Tubbs got mad at him and like pushed him up against a wall and their faces were so, so close. And I was like, this is very homoerotic. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of tension happening here. Oh, what did he say? He was like, sick. we could do it like this way. You could beat me up or we could sit down and talk. And I wrote, or you could kiss. <laughs> Civilized human beings. Yeah. But like I You could beat me up or beat me guy. off. Your choice, detective. <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, Carrie, wait, what did you just say? You got cut I off. Don't... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's but no coming you... back from that. <laughs> no, it was it, uh, no not yet. Yes, okay, I got it. I hate that they made him the ba- like a bad guy. Oh like, yeah. And that they they did a thing in the end where the, he dresses like a woman to escape, and then they make fun of him for it. And I'm just like, that's not cool. Also, it was kind of genius. If they weren't specifically looking for him, they wouldn't have seen him. Uh, dressed up like a woman in the most low-energy getaway I've ever seen. <laughs> like, the moment that Sonny Crockett sees uh, Whitehead... Uh, it's not like Whitehead, like, dashed through the crowd in what would be a modern-day chase scene, bursting through, like, carts of fruit. He just kind of, like, turned around and sauntered away. But that's what you would do. Like, you yeah. wouldn't want to run and, like, eventually knock people over like he does, because that draws attention to you. You want to, like, be sneaky. He was kind of like, they might have seen me. I'm just going to sneak away to this exit quietly and carefully. <laughs> And then knock someone over completely, <laughs> then throw my wig just at her, before and then I leave. Run. <laughs> I know, like, I'm just gonna throw my wig right away. <laughs> I, I did the... settle here, which is why I'm gonna pull out my piece. <laughs> I didn't like that. I liked that he was in the dress, but I didn't like that then they coded it as, like, a... That he was gay. Especially for the 80s. I guess they did sometimes deal with the AIDS crisis in the show, but... Oh. Like, Ooh. not as much as probably... Because people were still afraid at the time and didn't even, like, want to touch people. People didn't know what it was. They kind of were getting it by the end of the 80s, at least somewhat more of an understanding than earlier. I haven't- Maddie, you read the- and the band played on, right? Yeah. Like, by the end, it was- they kind of knew what it was. It had a name, and they knew- but they still were, like, there wasn't a lot of treatment for it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they anyway. had, like, just started developing the first ones, and then, yeah. You know, it's probably been, like, eight years since I read that. That's true. I'm old now. <laughs> I have commercials that are geared towards me about prescriptions, so yeah. that's how I know. Yeah. So, I do think the show, it was admirable that they talked about it, but it was less admirable that they were still utilizing stereotypes I, I was trying to remember in if in the band played on I keep forgetting to look this up, but whether Anthony Fauci is mentioned. Oh, probably. That's one of his big things. Um, like one of his life goals. Because that's what I working had, on. Yeah, HIV I had heard AIDS. about that. I think he was. I'm sure this is something that we can confirm with a very <laughs> short Google search, but I think I'll just yeah. speculate wildly aloud. I was an, an easily confirmable thing. <laughs> but that would be very cool. I probably have read about him in that case, and that makes that's pretty that's pretty good. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um okay, let's can we talk about 
the mystery-ish. <laughs> um, how there wasn't one? Yeah, it was kind of like... Yeah. We picked... Miami Vice was in the jar because it's a cop show about solving crimes. But I didn't think about the fact that most of the time they're going undercover about criminals they already know are criminals. It took till like 35 minutes in to be like, oh, there's no mystery here. I was fully enjoying it. But yeah, yes. I I agree, Maddie. Like I was about 30 minutes in when I was like, oh, wait. The only big mystery, quote unquote, is that Michael Chiklis is actually a bad guy or like a steel gun. He tur- you know, yeah. And for a cop them. show, you know a person's a bad guy immediately if the cops are annoyed at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially in the 80s and especially if he has a single earring. Like, if you don't agree with the cops, bleh. Ooh, which was the gay year? Or if the cops just straight up disagree with you, you're a bad guy. I don't remember. I don't know. Do you remember it that in the was, 90s? It was different each time. I know. <laughs> which one's Harrison Ford? And if so, then what's Harrison Ford? Cool. Other, yeah, just amazing. Yeah. He exists outside of society. The number one hero on the Empire's list of heroes was indiana jones which i thought was pretty cool the afi list of heroes from like 15 or 20 years ago also had him as number one or two and the other one was atticus finch congratulations in a museum (laughs) i know to watch those he actually was one of the characters who was like it belongs in a museum unless the people want it sometimes and then he was like Oh, yeah, because he gave the, um, God, what are the stones called? Ankara the stones. Shankara uh, stones. Yes, the yeah. Shankara stones back to the people in the village. He was but like, he was more than willing to take the fertility idol because the Jovitos are mean. Yeah. <laughs> and he got it. He's got to keep that cross of the Coronado that belongs in a museum. But yeah, it's not like there's any natives around the area to whom <laughs> that land would belong to. But anyway. he was one of the first archaeologists in film to be like, maybe sometimes you shouldn't take these things from people. Maybe? Only if they're anyway. magic. <laughs> maybe it's Maybelline. No, no, no. Actually, weirdly enough, every single one that we talked about that he took wasn't magic. But the one that actually was magic. He... Yeah, maybe he just wasn't okay with killing everybody by taking the Shankara stones. That's true. He did take the Ark of the Covenant, but also... Then they buried it away because it could kill a lot everyone. But then it was briefly revealed for two seconds in Indiana Jones 4. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. That. that movie. Anyway. That, that movie's still being made. There, there isn't a 4. They're making I new really... Indiana Jones now. We both agreed that Indiana Jones 4 was better, better than 2. Imbiamba. Ooh. Uh, I don't know about that. We're not getting into that. Today we're talking about Miami Vice with the pastels and the music and everything else. Do we want so, to do notes? Yo, they actually straight up sold a fake painting to the mob for $250,000. I think it's really interesting the way that they used their like the money and the things that they like they one of the, my most suspicious moments of michael chiklis was when he was like i talked to the people in new york and we can't front the money to buy this madonna and i was like oh he's in it for money and i'd be like because i thought he was trying to get money from the miami police yeah 
Instead, they were like, then... here's all this heroin instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, what is he? Like, yeah, you guys. Would he do that? Can we talk about that a little? Of like, about they were talking about how the art was the priority. So if the heroin ended up on the streets, that was okay. And I, I was think like, they were confident in their ability to get it back. But I don't, I don't know. I was thinking about that. Sometimes you do have that question in art of like, what's more important, the art for the future generations or like the humans who are living on Earth right now? Kind of like situation. That's because deep, it, man. Well, I thought about it because Michael Chiklis was literally like, if it's between the art and the heroine, I'm going to save the art and let the heroine go to the mob. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. It's a very hard situation. I was very sad when I thought that the art was gone. Oh my god, you guys. The moment yeah. that he put that Madonna in the box, I was like, this is not proper art packing technique. You should nope. never do this. You need to at least have something around it. Yeah. And then it broke. Can... And I was like, I was right. I <laughs> was annoyed when they revealed that it hadn't actually smashed because I would have preferred that ending. Why? Because then you have the to same concept here. You have the <laughs> same concept here that you had uh, in, what was it called? The Maltese Falcon. The notion that all these people, no, none of their hands are clean, so none of them should get it. I mean, the police, I mean, cops in general were killing people. So that, I guess their hands wouldn't be clean, but that wasn't necessarily in relation to the art. Yeah. Like, people to quote indiana jones that belonged in a museum <laughs> like why <laughs> would why do people have to suffer for their mishandle for the criminals mishandling yeah Man, it belonged in the chateau jones movies a mystery i mean there's probably something why in the young indiana so jones adventure and we'll look it up after this so Ooh. interesting you know what? I think, yeah, the last one's totally a mystery. He gets sent the mysterious diary by his dad. He has to solve all the clues in the diary. He literally wait, has wait, to find a map. Not wait, we gotta save it. Gotta save oh my it. gosh, you guys. Um, but, got it. But what? What was I in the middle of saying? I know. I, don't know. I was talking Nothing about something. Matters. Mac was talking about the art and how he thought it was good that it was destroyed. And he was yes, I think it would. I think it would have been preferable for the art to be destroyed because then so many people so zealously going after it would end up. It, 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 I don't. I'm not saying it would have been a better situation, but it would have been a better story beat. Maybe, but the art belongs in that chateau in France that it was originally stolen from by the Schianti crime family. It would have been more yeah. just for it to be returned, but so it should have, it would have been, been a better story if it was destroyed. I mean, hopefully it was returned. They, I mean, obviously, eventually they found the real one when he came in. Yeah. I, that was actually, I was totally fine with Crockett the whole episode until the very end. No. When he throws his... say earlier when he was like with the art? I guess like, with oh. the art, but I was still like, okay. No, until that's when he end, lost me. When he like handcuffed a single one of her hands and then he puts his finger through the other one and leads her away like got you now and i was like <laughs> no i thought wow, that you're was so silly. cool i was like why didn't you just handcuff her to you man you don't just have to you know i know it was him being charming and okay yes in the art thing i was a little bit more annoyed at him and then he won me over again <laughs> i thought at the end of it i what was like if they kiss this is fucked up 
Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be very weird. Well, I'm certain he's got to have kissed multiple people in the episode. Or, I mean, in the show, like, that he went undercover with. And then it was probably really problematic all the time. All right. Well, why don't we do notes now? And I can share some of the things that I've learned. (laughs) Okay. And Katie can for the last time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'll go. I'll go first then. um, Just because... That way, I'll get my stuff out of the way, and then if Katie has anything additional, she can <laughs> I'll go last. How does right. that sound? Okay. Okay. So, apparently, this is one of the first series to have a strong arc of character development. Um, even in long-running series of the time, most characters... I'm reading from the IMDb fun facts, by the way. <laughs> um, even in long-running series of at the time... Most characters were basically static and unchanging, uh, but Crockett begins as a youthful, energetic cop, still optimistic, despite having seen the dark side of his job on numerous occasions, and believes he can make a difference. Eventually, however, the anger and pain caused by the betrayal and or loss of nearly everyone he cares about lead to his dark side taking over. Finally, he and Tubbs realize they cannot really create change within a corrupt system and choose to free themselves from it. Um, the, a a lot of things that I read were talking about how this was, it kind of, like, it was a show with, like, a gritty, darker side, because the cops play, like, whack-a-mole with, like, all the criminals. Like, there's no really winning the fight against the vice, you know? It's You mean, like, how drugs, like, okay, you kill one drug person, another person pops up type of thing? Like, yeah. Drugs are bad and they're gonna be bad. Yeah. Um, Do you know what I just read about? Sorry. What? No, go ahead. I can't remember the country and maybe we'll tweet about it, but there was a country, feel someone, it was like Denmark, it was in Europe, that just decriminalized all drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, and crime went down considerably as well as drug use because it was like people weren't being thrown in jail and then being put in this perpetual cycle of being jailed for drugs, being stuck in jail, having to bail out, all this kind of stuff. So there was, like, less people who, like, so people who would get caught with drugs would be given help and, like, community Rehab. things. And, like, you weren't going to be just thrown in jail forever, even if you had a ton of... I think they were still prosecuting if you were doing, like, organized, like, major drug stuff. But, like, if you were caught even with heroin... It was like you were just given help and you weren't thrown in jail. And like it took it like all the most of the drug related crime just stopped. Which I was like, oh, and that reminds me. One of the major factors to cocaine falling out of popularity within uh, drug use uh, with circles of drug use is primarily that the supply of cocaine became so high that they couldn't realistically charge so much for it, and therefore the price of cocaine became so low, nobody was willing to risk jail time to sell it. And it's kind of interesting to think, you could consider drugs an entire other sector of the economy that can raise and lower in price just like anything else. Market, yeah, it's just demand and supply, man. I think it was, okay, it's Portugal. So they de- okay. they decriminalized the consumption of drugs. And like now anyway. Cool. All right. So um the 
perpetual two-day stubble that Don Johnson sported as Sonny Crockett was uh, like put into his character because um, potential actors for the series were like put on ride-alongs for cops and stuff. And so he came into, I think, one of his auditions with the stubble and people like the writers were like, huh, this is what a cop would look like. So <laughs> he uh, maintained it with a sideburn trimmer and it, his look was so popular that um, there was an electric razor that became available called the stubble device that allowed <laughs> users to have a beard like Don Johnson. And it was initially named the Miami device. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the company yes! wanted to avoid a lawsuit so they changed the name oh my god Aww. i know so fun um cars were cars were like a big thing for this show obviously we talked about the ferrari earlier um but the ricardo tubbs drove a 64 cadillac coupe deville convertible uh stan Switek, who I think was the um, the guy who actually knew about art, like he yeah. was yes. like one of the the security. He's guy a guy who's like who wrote down Switek. I wrote down his name. Switek. Yeah, um, he had a Ford Thunderbird, a '61 Ford Thunderbird. Gina Calabrese drove a '71 Mercury Cougar XR7 convertible. Um, when Stan and Larry, who I don't think we meet Larry, um, no. are undercover, they drive a van, a Dodge Ram van called the Bug Van. I think it's like the Bug Van. Um, there's a lot of Lamborghinis, Maseratis, BMWs, Lotuses, DeLoreans, Porsches, Corvettes. So just Pontiac a lot GTOs, of money. Firebird Trans Ams, Ford Mustangs, Chevy Camaros, Barracudas. Like, there's, and then boats. Um, Sonny <laughs> lives on a boat. Like, he lives on a sailboat. So there's a lot of different boats that happen. Um, and so all of these things that appear in the show, like, were in high demand. So... I don't really know how advertising companies started, um, like, Spontron. Like, spon yeah, exactly, the, the product placement that happens. But this could have been part of it. I don't know, like, how it started. I don't know. A lot of it actually, I feel like I read, like, they started doing a lot of that with James Bond. Which I can see some influence of this by Bond of, in terms of cars and gadgets and... Yeah, putting in like this specific car into this movie meant like that's what want people want to talk about. So like putting a this specific car into this episode of TV meant an uptick in something, you know. The music um this was it was one of the first shows to incorporate popular music into the episodes at appropriate moments and it actually I think the um the credits won a Grammy. Like the um the music guy was like really lauded for his like um design of the music. There was a bunch of artists who like guest starred in episodes. Um Jan Hammer credits executive producer Michael Mann with allowing him great creative freedom in scoring Miami Vice. The collaboration resulted in memorable instrumental pieces, including the show's title theme, which climbed to the top of the Billboard charts in November 1985. It actually, like, 
um knocked someone else out of the top spot i think for like themes like show themes and the guy who he knocked off the top spot like called him to congratulate him which i thought was cool oh cute um so some artists that guest art in episodes are phil collins (laughs) willie nelson gene simmons gloria estefan there's an iconic scene um that involves crawhead and tubs driving through miami at night to in the air tonight which is like oh that's I just watched deal. that video again of those two kids hearing it for the yeah. first time. <laughs> oh yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. It's so good. The original soundtrack stayed on top of the US album chart for eleven weeks well, in nineteen eighty five. Really hoping for Hall Notes to be in I know. There. They might have been at some point. I honestly, like, Maddie, sometimes get them confused with these two guys whenever I saw pictures. The, I, uh, because of the mustaches and yeah the 80s some ago. some newspapers would let readers know the songs that would be featured each week <laughs> uh getting a song played on miami vice was a boost to record labels and artists they would spend ten thousand miami vice would spend ten thousand dollars or more per episode to buy the rights to original recordings um so they did they were like really into their music the production team paid like paid a lot of attention to the detail of in everything. So like you know how earth colors were banned, like they would go through locations and like paint buildings, like really improve the look like wherever they were filming. So they they did a lot of um renovation in the city. And like the city was initially not happy about Miami being portrayed as this like den of vice. <laughs> um but the uh location team like paid to use look like different locations and they it actually brought a lot like it energized the public's conception of Miami as like a youthful fun place to live with like music and, didn't, and it kind of supported and... redoing stuff right like they wanted yeah. like buildings to be saved instead of torn down again yeah so I, there were like all of a lot of the historical art deco buildings um were painted over in like these bright colors and really revitalized a lot of areas so that was cool. Did you take notes during the actual episode? Those notes? Uh yeah, but we talked about them all. Like just stuff like Michael Chiklis's earring, he killed a dog, <sighs> so many question marks. Where? The uh, I love Tubbs's intellectual quote unquote outfit. Um <laughs> I don't trust Chicklis. Tubbs and Chicklis are very close. <laughs> Joey is not a nice guy. Wink. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, my that's pretty much most of my notes. There's apparently Rockstar Games' Grand Theft Auto Vice City is heavily inspired <laughs> by Miami Vice in many ways. The two officers in multiplayer mode are named Cracker and Butts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Real fun. Uh, so that was really cool. That was that was. I would watch fun, that show. Fun moment. Cracker and butts. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. That that was the uh, Grand Classic. Theft Auto version of that. Classic. Uh yeah, so that's that's pretty much my notes. I'll take up number two. Mac, go. Uh, I only have three notes. One, the original person they were going to sell the Madonna to was a guy they constantly referred to as the Greek until they revealed his actual name, uh, Nikos Plato. 
<laughs> really got your finger on the pulse of Greek culture there, Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah. Next. I did like that they pointed out that realistically, any art thief would likely sit on a particularly famous piece of art. I'm, I'm, I'm almost finished with a book that I would advise for anybody called The Napoleon of Crime. It's by Ben McIntyre. It's about the exploits of the most prolific Victorian thief, Adam Worth, and about uh, his relationship with his stolen piece of art, the Duchess of Devonshire. And yeah, if, if something's famous, you don't sell it right away. Who would you sell the Mona Lisa to that wouldn't immediately just call the cops? I mean, it did disappear for a few years in the 20s. There's a whole mm-hmm. drunk history episode about it. It's great. Jack Black's in it. <gasps> look that one up too. Yeah, look it up. And finally, the music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every riff of that electric guitar took me one step closer to the planes of madness. Oh, that's oh <laughs> it filled my heart with joy. New music. Who no. I fully I disagree. Loved it. This, I mean, it was perfect. The for synth background. I loved it. The setting. The guitar yeah. riffs. It if just I needed had... more saxophone. Sonny Crockett would hear guitar riffs taking a goddamn dump, okay? Give us Woo! something new. Yeah. Mac, what music do you listen to? When you take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, potty uh... time for Mac. <laughs> yeah, Say obviously I sing my shark. own theme song. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we need what a content I? warning for that. <laughs> there was a I was I was I was watching a live stream of the two guys from BuzzFeed Unsolved reading a bunch of scary stories. Yeah. And Shane accidentally mistook the lyrics to for take me to church as shaking like a dog with a case of the squirts. Okay, no, but Mac, you didn't answer my question. Yeah. What music do you listen to? Like, what do you deem acceptable? I don't know about... Look, any kind of music is hypothetically bad if you overplay it enough, and this is absolutely a case of that. So you're just saying it was used too much. I'm saying if you have a monotonous form of music, I have the same problem with modern-day cop stories, too, where it's like... That's just... That's just... Yeah, that's just law and order. (laughs) I mean, there's a reason that that stuff exists now. I will say, I th- didn't Carrie, the what? music in this was one of the first that was used the synthesizer a lot, whereas like a yeah. lot of 80s shows did not. Yeah. Which will, spoiler alert, we'll learn next time probably. But <laughs> the use of the synthesizer and the guitar and all the, all that kind of stuff just for the score, not even for the songs was like new. And so that was used a lot. And now I think a lot of cop shows use temp tracks and like just generic stuff. But sometimes yeah. they do explore new things. Like Law and Order did change the game a lot with that stuff. This was a big influence on Law and Order as well. Dun, dun. Can, I, can I tell you one of my facts now that it's relevant? Sure. Um. So Michael Mann, I think, did leave as, like, the full-on showrunner after season two. And guess who came in? Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf. (laughs) So Dick Wolf was hugely influenced because he started this show by pulling from the actual headlines. 
apparently a lot of the storylines in this were real storylines. They were happening in Miami and other parts of Florida. So that's what he started utilizing for law and order was like pulling actual crimes from the newspapers. Pulled from the headlines. Like truly, well, yes. Anyway, that's all my notes. Maddie? Okay. All right. Um, We did go over a lot of mine. I did want to specifically point out the first guy's sleeves. He had rolled up plaid yep. jacket sleeves. Um, that was amazing. That was I had that note. Yep. That was the first. I was like, plaid jacket, sleeves, t-shirt, earring, <laughs> diamond yep. earring. I said, ooh, baby, that single dangly earring gives me some feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's a paragon of style. Yep. Oh, God. Um... But daddy, my spaghetti. <laughs> um, I said the professor's outfits are dope. Um, I thought someone was going to get pushed in the pool. Did yeah, I? that was that was sad that nobody. Yeah, I know. Nobody did. <laughs> when they had that confrontation. I was like, oh. And yeah, that's pretty much it. We went over everything on my list because <laughs> I... <laughs> Force the Boobs, issue. Butts. <laughs> music. Hair. Yep. What the fuck cat party? <laughs> um, the cat is not a fan of these shady dealings. And that's it. No. Katie. Katana. Um, finish us off. So we did cover a lot of mine already. I did think that Tubbs had very hairy hands in the beginning. I don't know if you guys noticed that. No. It was a little... When he was holding his his gun up when they were looking after um stanley or whatever uh-huh. it was just very hairy here and also he was hard to understand sometimes yeah i had like, to put on the subtitles i had the him. subtitles on just because i always do but i needed them for him um we talked about the plaid jacket we talked about the music we didn't really talk about don johnson's hair specifically and i just want to say <laughs> i don't even it was know a lot it was a lot it was but a lot. i liked it it was everything very, I hoped to be. It was kind of like they took Farrah Fawcett and put it on a man and made it shorter and fl- like, but it was still feathered out a little. It was feathered and, out. It had highlights. Yeah, it was surprising to see because I never really, I knew his hair was like a thing, but then when you're actually confronted with it multiple times, it's <laughs> you're like, oh, well, this is a thing. This is a thing. Capital T. I do wonder what it looked like at the beginning of the series and if it like was like that the whole time or if it progressed into something more than it began as. Yeah, because this know? is the last season. Season five was the last one. Was it? So, I thought there were six. No, I'm, I think there were five. Okay. But there were like four or five episodes that never aired that they kind of threw in later on. Mm. I don't know, during like reruns and stuff. There were five seasons because that's all IMDb went up to. Yeah, cool. Because I checked when I was looking up Tubbs's name. <laughs> um, I did think it was weird that I felt like I was supposed to know Stanley, like the guy they were working with, and I felt like I'd come into the middle of an episode, but I hadn't. Like apparently that was just something they did. Yeah. Um, I was upset they didn't use gloves to touch the art at all. Ugh. I, like it's so not only beautiful art, but it's also evidence and so, historical. That's what I meant. It's like, like it's not the- only art, but well, art could be crime. made now. You know, this is art from the 15th century. That's true. That's true. Um, well, yeah, but if if I touch a Van Gogh and then I also touch something that like an impressionist made last year, they're not just going to be like, "Hey, we're more upset about the first thing." Yeah, 
And like these paintings are worth millions of dollars even on their own. Like don't yeah. touch them. <laughs> like especially ugh. after I mean like before they knew it like whatever, I guess it's excusable. Like it is still evidence like you said, but afterwards when you know what it is and you he know touched how valuable the surface they are, of the painting with his bare hands. I know. After. Finger oils. Finger oils all over that painting. I was very cool. upset. I bet they don't um, know how to clean them off either. Right? I know. We're going to need that bomb gardener guy. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking about that. Because I'm like, <laughs> he totally touches that with his fingers. He uses fingers, but he knows how to, he he knows knows how to do it. Doing. He knows how to clean it. And he knows how to touch it right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, I have a lot of notes about Michael Chiklis's ponytail. I just putting that out there a lot okay. of notes about him being hannibal um do you guys know why hundred dollar bills are called c notes because the roman numeral for like 100 is the letter c oh i totally guessed that in my head just now thank you oh. carrie i did not i was like c centennial oh i no. thought you were gonna have a an answer for that Kate. No, I genuinely <laughs> was going to look it up, and then I didn't look it up, obviously. Wait, Carrie, so. do you know that that is the Roman numeral? Yeah. Okay. No, I kn- that is, that's a fact that I know. I was not guessing, like Maddie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because me guessing. <laughs> Other people know things? Weird. <laughs> they don't just say whatever they feel? <laughs> What's in their heart? Yeah. Um, I can't that believe be true? we didn't talk about the guy at the party who was fully shirtless with a suit jacket. <gasps> oh, my God! Like, didn't I feel like we didn't talk about the party enough. Just the amount of art, the people around, the people who were trying to buy. Like, it was. They were yeah. so cool. They were class E. Like, fully, it was like Tim Capello in Lost Boys, but with a suit jacket. It was amazing. Yeah, no, that was great. Because they, like, focus on, like, the like the pendulum. It's like there's a like, pendulum that's part of the art, art sculpture. And. It just, like, focuses on the guy's, like, midsection, and he's wearing, like, a tuxedo jacket over his bare chest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it starts at his belt, and it pans up to his long hair. How did I miss it? I don't know, Maddie. It's so beautiful. Maybe looked down. It was, it was the, it was your introductory shot to the party scene, and I was like, oh, I'm in. Yes. (laughs) I'm ready Um, to party. party. We've got (laughs) ten seconds to make people want to come to this party. Go! Got it. Shirtless guys in tuxes? Hello. Um, Perfect timing for that television news report. Otherwise, yeah. don't you think Tubbs would have been dead? That, that was a is little ridiculous. contradictory. I thought he was going to get suspicious at Tubbs because Tubbs was like, hey, I just saw it on the news. And then he turns it on and then the news show- shows up and he'd be like, how did you know that was going to be on the I news? I thought spaghetti, that was... my daddy, papa. Bobby, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my spaghetti. <laughs> He said he saw it at the, on the 7 o'clock news, and, like, they would run the same stories, like, multiple times. That was the only news. reason I was okay with it. Yeah, and uh, I almost wrote that in my summary, but I did not, because that would have been editorializing, and then it would have taken the thunder out of Katie's notes. What? Oh, aren't you perfect? I am. Carrie's always right! Ugh. Um... Sometimes I kept thinking that Joey Scianti looked like Elvis, and then I looked it up, and he has played both Elvis and an Elvis impersonator and other things. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He was the young Elvis Presley in Forrest Gump. So, by the way. Yeah. And then he played an Elvis impersonator recently. 
you know, 25 years later. Yeah. So I have to fully admit, I don't think I've ever seen heroin and I didn't know that's what it looked like. <laughs> Ditto. But I did I, kind of good. appreciate that he like fully, well, I appreciated it, but also I was like, they're basically telling people how to do heroin in the 80s and that's not okay. Like They weren't telling you how to do it. I know. They were telling but... you how to test its purity. Well, you put it in the pipe and you smoke it. <laughs> like, I don't how do know. You know? <laughs> Did you just see somebody doing heroin? Why don't you just put that in your pipe and smoke it? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I, it was just weird. It looked like tea. And I was like, I guess I never really thought about, like, full disclosure, I've never done heroin. So <laughs> I was just like, okay. Um, a lot of notes. I knew Chickless was bad. How have we not talked about the bad guy's car seat belts? And they spent a full 30 seconds. Did you see that? Yes. I had Michael a friend Chiklis... whose car seat belts did yeah. that, and I didn't know what was happening. Was like, <laughs> like, Michael Chiklis steals yeah. the painting thing. He gets in his car, he runs away, and Joyce Gatti jumps for a in second, his car. He for starts a second, I thought somebody was like, slowly reaching forward to try to, like, snap his neck or something. But then it was like, oh, Like, wait, it happens in low convertibles like that, where the seat belts are tucked in, and then when you start the car, they come out. I didn't notice that at all. Carrie, it's fascinating. I was just like, oh my, God. Oh my Which gosh. does then mean that your availability to your seatbelt is then subject to your car functioning properly. Yeah, I know. I was a little bit like, but also they maybe probably, some things didn't even have seatbelts back then. So maybe that's why they stopped doing that. <sighs> maybe. Um, again, Hannibal, he's trying to escape to Europe. Hmm. Um, I loved the extras at the port. I thought they yeah. were really fun. I thought it was weird that they didn't have radios at the end. So they were both separately chasing Michael Chiklis and one, one of them would catch him and I'd be like, but now the other, like, I don't know. I just thought that, who was it? Was it Crockett who came and found Joey dead? No, it was Tubbs. So then like, Tubbs Crockett went after. Yeah. And I was like, you, you couldn't like radio to the other one. Like I found this one bad guy and he's dead. I don't know. I thought that was weird. Joey's been shot. Yeah. Call help. Call his uh, papa. I know, See right? if he's alive, maybe? I did not catch that it was a fake. I thought that was the only wrench that was in there. I really did think the real one broke until they cut to... For a second, I was like, maybe she would have made a fake. But it didn't connect to the fact that she got the... <laughs> whatever, Skyler... Whatever the artist guy... What's his name? Mac wrote uh, it down. Sigmar Mouthlin. Sigmar. <laughs> to, oh who, God. by the way, had the longest, like, slow run up oh. to him knocking himself out in the entirety <laughs> of cinema. <laughs> that was, was my so last long. note. He, pun- my he punched note. two feet short of the guy's face, stumbled past him, bumped into one hall, bumped into the other hall, and then head first into a hall, he went to, like, the end of the hall, 20 feet away? That he was just jumped so head first into a wall and then fell down? He Yeah, he, like, ping-ponged off of walls and then bounced off, like, his, the back one. He just fell backward. I was like, what is wrong with this man? I've yeah. been pretty drunk, but, like, the most drunk I've ever been in my life, I was still able to walk home. Those are my last episode notes, so I only have two extra notes that we didn't cover. Okay. Specifically about the fashion. I just thought it was interesting. You said a lot of things that I read and a lot of things that I didn't read, so I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. But they regularly, each of them, had five to eight outfits per episode, which I, I definitely know that. noticed that in this. I just didn't say it. Well, and then one thing we talked about with mom and dad was 
So, like, I guess the first two seasons were a little bit more fun and happy and brighter. And then the last three, they, like, switched nights. But it went against Dallas. And Dallas was big. I remember Dallas from when I was a very young child because mom and dad watched it along with almost everyone else in America. And mom so, and dad, like, I don't know if dad was part of it, but mom said there were Dallas watching parties. Like they She would, said, like, like, yeah, when they lived in Iowa for wow. that, like, year or two, they would go to Dallas parties. You would go to someone's house and everyone would watch the episode like they did with MASH. Like, together. Yeah. So, so like, Dallas was big. So, by taking this huge show, Miami Vice, and then moving it directly opposite Dallas... Dallas was usually going to win. And so it still went on for three years, but I guess the shows became darker. The themes became darker. The, because I I was wondering is because Dick Wolf was running it. And so he was pulling real crime stories and not letting the writers write like just fun crime stories. It was part of the the arc too, you know, that Sonny Crockett's supposed to be more and more disillusioned. Yeah. With the, like the ability of the police to make a difference. Yeah. I guess they were almost going to finish it after season four and then five, they were only going to order a 13 episode season. And then they decided to just do the full season and finish out. But five became the last season and it's because the ratings went down because it was against Dallas and Dallas just had a bigger hold, which I was like, yeah. Is that Uh, actually the last thing I did want to mention this is definitely indicative of the 80s, but I like Don Johnson had this whole contract dispute after season two. Mm. And I will say that even though they're technically supposed to be co-stars, Don Johnson got paid more than Philip Michael Thomas. Uh, at the first couple seasons, it was five grand more, 25000 an episode versus 30000 an episode or something like that. Mm. And then... And the last few seasons, it was like 50 grand versus 90 grand. Like, it was oh a God. lot. Like, they, I mean, we're talking about money in the 80s. Everyone in Hollywood was throwing it everywhere. So, even though they were co build and co stars, there was definitely a disparity. I'm, I can't say this for certain, but it's probably race related. And they might not have even talked to each other about contracts. You know, one thing, yeah, people, I mean, it's, there it's taboo you know yeah. it needs to not be even but now it, yeah but that's why it was such a big deal that the friends like talked to each other about their contracts and negotiated eventually that they all had the same ones yeah and why they also never put themselves up for best actor or actress unless the other ones were in there too because they were like we're an ensemble we oh. are a team yeah we uh we didn't mention this uh but what we normally do um those the triptych that they've been talking about this whole time was originally going to be 17 million dollars which today would be 36 million seven hundred forty seven thousand dollars nice interesting i didn't look that up yeah i was gonna look it up and then i forgot the same with the so do you have any do you have more notes katie those are my last notes i can go into the pbs if you would like to be really depressed yay oh um boy do i let's do it i'm gonna say there was three asterisk women because you had the scanty woman for, I forgot her name already. Julia? Julia, thank you. Why is she an asterisk? She's not an asterisk. Oh. There was the lady at the party who had a couple lines. Uh-huh. And then you do have two female detectives who are regulars on the show. But 
I think only one of them spoke. Even though, like, and so, like, I kind of wanted to do an asterisk because I'm sure there are other episodes, I'm, which really bothers me. They probably are just constantly having to go undercover as sex workers the whole time. But I kind of wanted to do them as two people, but then I was like, one of them definitely didn't talk. And I don't well, think we lady, ever know their names. The lady at the party. No, we do. Um, Their names are mentioned once, not while they are on the screen, but okay. like they're... Um, the captain is like, yeah, take uh, Gina and Trudy and okay. Stan. Oh, that's right. So that's kind of why I went three asterisk because the two women, I guess, have names, but only one of them talks. So and the lady at the party doesn't have a name. She doesn't have a name, has... but she has multiple lines. Yeah. I wanted, I guess, to give them the benefit of the doubt. So three asterisk, maybe four. And uh, there were 12 men. So yeah. most of them had names. And, uh, that's fun. Yeah. All right. Stabs and stars. I'll start Next. us off. I'm going to give this, just because there's not much of a mystery aspect to it, three stabs. As an episode, it was fun, but it was still flawed in its time, and I don't give any points for that. So, six stars. Maddie? Um, I would say two stabs because, yeah, there was really no mystery at all. And um, <laughs> for stars, I would say eight. I enjoyed watching it. Cool. I will say three stabs because there wasn't a mystery, but there was groundwork about Michael Chiklis being a backstabber a little bit. Being wanting to have control of the investigation and the media blackout and everything. So, like, you could kind of tell something was going on there. Um, and stars, I would say seven. I really enjoyed the outfits and the music. That was really fun. Um, I liked the sets. Very colorful. Very, very 80s. <laughs> um, yeah. Katie? I think I'm... A three on the stars, no, stabs, because, again, there wasn't really a mystery, but you could kind of put together that Michael Chiklis wasn't all there. And I, yeah, I'm with Maddie. I think an eight, because I had a lot of fun watching it. I fully enjoyed it. Maybe it's because we obviously picked, like, one of the top ten episodes. I'd be curious to know if I would like it if I watched just a normal undercover drug thing, because we all know, like, I'm not that interested in stuff about drugs. I think it's a problem and they're somehow weirdly demonized and glamorized at the same time. So I probably would watch this again if it was like on TV and I needed something in the background. Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask, is anyone interested in watching further episodes? Not really. Nah. <laughs> I think it would be I thoroughly to... enjoyed this, I think, because I know I don't need to watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We should mention that Maddie got very into character. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We'll have some fun Twitter, Instagram pictures. Yeah, we should make a note of that. Um, Uh, um, But yeah. I did think it's... I didn't realize that Dad was such a big fan. I didn't think about it either. If I would want to watch more just to, like, see what life was like for him. (laughs) Well, we got to remember, when we asked Mom, like, do you remember watching this? And she was like... I was probably taking care of you and doing laundry. <laughs> and also she was working 
at least part-time still. Yeah. I, I think, think dad was in his residency during this time. Right? Yeah. He was in his residency in the beginning and then I was born and then you were born and then they moved. And the series was over. And then the series was done. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I hope everyone really enjoyed the synth and the coats and the socks without shoes and the non-drug crimes. Um, and Michael Chiklis' so, ponytail, obviously. In the earring! His oh. earring! Oh. <laughs> and the amateurs. It's just... his. I can't... I'm sorry, but if you're balding like that, and then you have a ponytail... Yeah, it's a lot. Just shave. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. Anyway. He looked. He, he looks way better without it. He did. He, he did does. shave oh, his whole head. On that note, Carrie... Katie's ruining my outro. Sorry. <laughs> I had I, to talk about the ponytail one more time. I'm going to cut your ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) Season five, episode 13, Murder, She Wrote. Watch it. Know it. Love it. We'll talk about it next time. If you want to communicate with us, we have an email, mostlymurder, but sometimes not at gmail.com. We have a website, mostlymurder, but sometimes not.com. We also have Twitter and Instagram at mostlymurderpod. What, Katie? Carrie, what's the episode called? Oh, yeah. Um, so the episode of Murder, She Wrote that we're going to be talking about next time, season five, episode 13, is called Fire, Burn, Cauldron, Bubble. A little bit of an insight into what we're talking about there. That was That's what Mac was doing, right? Oh. That was the I fire. I didn't know. Quitch. Mac, is that what your gesture meant? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so that's that's the episode. I think we've covered everything we need to cover. Um, thank you all for listening. I hope it was fun for you. Thank y'all. Goodbye well, now. now. I, I would be kind of proud of this one, but it's just. Oh, no. It's a joke. It's just no. so bad. No. It's oh, so sad. Okay. All right. That they were dreaming this the whole time. No. They <laughs> knew something was coming. All right. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye. Okay. Have you watched it already? Um, spoiler, but I've never watched the show actually, and except for like little bits and pieces on TV. So, did people actually dress like that? Yes. In the eighties. Yeah. Where's where's coats polyester? Well, they were the Armani suit jackets with the t-shirts and the loafers with no socks and the big baggy pants Uh and the bonkers jewelry. That was cool. What kind of car did they drive? Forgot. This one, they didn't have a car, but there was a Ferrari in the first bit. All right. I remember reading. They were undercover as art people. Like underground art deep world, kind yeah. of. I remember a lot of the houses they went to were really avant-garde houses. Art deco. Art deco, yeah. Art deco houses. They, I was really, truly wondering, like, 
did people in the 80s dress like this because of Miami Vice? Or did people in Miami Vice dress like that because of the 80s? I think it was the 80s. It was, like, was it cyclical in terms of... I don't think they were following Miami Vice So pattern. you could go to the mall, I mean, I guess maybe in Florida, and people would look like that. Do you want to see a picture of mine? No, not really. I polyester pants, huge bell bottoms. <laughs> in the 80s, like 85. Um, That's when you got married. Now, a little bit before that. See, it, w- it went from like 85, 86 to the 90, to 1990, so it'd have to be within that time period. But, I mean, people would have dressed before that similarly. It had a big influence on what I was seeing fashion. was a lot of 90s fashion starting, like the big everything. A big, huge bell bottom. And then I think it was polyester and it was a funky little coat thing. Ties? What about ties? Oh, no. Ties. Didn't have a tie. It was an open towel. Some of the mafia dudes had some ties. My shoes have big uh, heels big on heels? them. Big heels? Nice. So, everyone, it was a big show in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very like, popular. Something you talk about the next day. Like a water cooler type. Everyone, mm-hmm. like 70% of the people watched it. People watched it, yeah. Not like Dallas. Interesting. Mm. Not like Dallas. Well, apparently it got moved to opposite Dallas during season three, and then it just started failing slowly. Also, I guess the showrunner changed, and it became darker and more about the underbelly. But, a lot of it was drugs, I think cocaine. Well, well it, it is Miami Vice. Well, I know. But I'm so drugs saying. and sex were. But we, wanted, we didn't really want to watch the episode with that, so we picked the one with the art theft. So what's the black dude's name? Ricardo Tubbs. 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 And then Crockett. Crockett, yep. I don't know if they use their names in the episode we watched. But I had the subtitles on, so sometimes it would be like Crockett. So wait, Mom, did you watch it? Yes. I don't have as many memories of it as Dan. Mom told me to watch out for Don Johnson. And I was like, okay. Was <laughs> he hot? Oh, he thought he was. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He was quite the rogue. He was. I don't think they have, well, that was before they didn't have, like, sex scenes and things like that. I don't think they were. Were there a lot of women in it? I don't know the one we watched. I don't remember a lot of women. No. There's two lady detectives, apparently. They don't really get, they're named once, and they're not really in it a lot. I just remember Crockett and Tubbs. They were pretty much the whole thing. Yeah. Well, it was really, what I read was it was made for MTV generation, so it was less about plot and character and more about flashy. You read like, the same thing I did. Yeah, I did. Didn't they like that way? You can say it on the podcast. Didn't they um like get in their car and chase people, or sometimes have to go to the scene really fast, or something like that? They did at the end of it. They did. There was like a thing where they had to um somebody stole uh the main piece of art and was driving away, and then they had to figure out where he was going, and then they had to get there very fast before he got away. That's how it was a. Um, so it was a convertible, and Crockett used to not open the door, just jump over the door and pick the <laughs> convertible. I believe that, yes. <laughs> there was a lot of clothes and a lot of music hair. and a lot of hair. We're going to talk about hair. We, yeah, we're going to get, like, like Katie said, we didn't do one of like the typical episodes, um, but. Did, so they just went undercover a lot, basically? They were vice detectives. Yeah, yeah. 
I just remember mostly cocaine in the Blackberry houses. Mm-hmm. The houses were cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I read that they actually shot in Florida in South Beach. And at the time, it was like they were shooting in these awful neighborhoods that were basically like almost abandoned because of how bad they were. Which mean like they didn't even need to block them off to shoot. You need to not read stuff because then (laughs) nobody can tell you anything new about it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll pretend it's new. Yeah. I think so. They filmed a lot of filming in Miami. They would just straight up be able to paint things because no one cared. And did they paint the buildings for the set? Yeah. Yeah. And then they, I mean, they, um, kind of improved a lot of areas um, because they wanted it to look nice and they were like attention to detail and um, so they did a lot of work like in the city. Urban renewal. I don't know. But... Well, I mean, it's South Beach is South good urban renewal. There was a lot that the neighborhoods were mostly populated by elderly Jewish people. So it's not like they were like getting rid of crime or whatever, <laughs> but they were um Rundown places were uh, um, improved, yes. Did you read that apparently they used those people as extras in the beginning? Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of the extras in the early days were just old white Jewish people. <laughs> that would just be, like, around. Around with all these drug things. Yeah. <laughs> that changed a little bit. The Italians get into the drug business, not the Jewish people. <laughs> yeah. All right, we should get going, though. Yeah. What time do you think? We were, we're supposed, supposed to leave to... 10 minutes ago. That's right. Does everybody know that you're not coming late? Or you know that we are coming late. Did you guys watch it together? The, the show? When did it run? 85 80? to 90, basically. Take your kids. I know, I was like, you had me, and then you had her. But you were, at least, you were aware of it. I mean, Dad was in his residency, too. Yeah. I think it was was it Friday night? It it was definitely Friday for either the first two years or the last three years. But then when, like I said, it went against Dallas, and it was like I think we did watch it together. We might not, but when those things were, I fell asleep. I don't know. Or I was doing laundry, or I remember watching it. I just have to watch it again to see if I remember any of the actual stuff. Yeah, I remember Dallas too, but I don't remember. Like Pam. Pam was someone's wife. Um, Bobby. So you probably watched Dallas instead of Miami Vice when they switched it, like most people did, because also they didn't have VCRs. We watched Dallas in Iowa. Yeah, we did. Got me a Dallas party. And afterwards, (laughs) Dallas parties. (laughs) We always used to make fun of Pam. I remember you guys watching Dallas when I was really little, because it was still on in the early nineties, wasn't it? Ooh, shot to you. Like you still talked about it. Because it had what's his face from I Dream of Genie, yeah, and cowboy hat, yeah, yeah. I just saw in my um, I don't know if it was AARP or Parade they had Bobby, whoever Patrick Duffy, mm-hmm. had a response that had something to do with. It. Really, when I was really little, you guys watched Dallas and Star Trek and ER. That's what I remember. I remember Star Trek. You watch Next Generation. Oh, Next Generation. Yeah, yeah. Because I would be like, make it so. <laughs> it always had a a lesson in it. Yeah, I think about that every time we get directives from above. <laughs> it's like they just want you to do something and make it so. People don't do that. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Who's getting a hold of us?
All right.